As promised, here's our 10-minute thought devotion message for you. Father's Day is one of those mixed moments. In fact, um, I've watched so many people when Father's Day uh, arrives, they disappear. The reason for that is because of the challenge of fatherlessness in our country. It's sort of ironic that God starts the prayer to him, the Lord's prayer, which is our prayer for God, is saying, our father, our father. The first time that that word father is used in the Bible is Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. And it says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother, hold fast to his wife. The two shall become one flesh. That's children right there. But think about that. The very first time that the Bible mentions a father, it's in relationship to leaving and our children are born to leave us. And our parents exist to love us. But fathers were meant to be the ones that launch us. Psalm 127 verse 4 reads like this. Like the arrows in the hands of a warrior are the children of one's youth. A father in God's design is somebody who takes their life like a stick. Makes sure that it's straight feathers it, sharpens it. And at the right moment, their whole time that they're with their father, their parents, is they're drawing back that tension to release them into the world to make a difference for eternity. I remember recently I was having a conversation with someone and they had mentioned that in, in a school, one of, the, one of the teachers was talking about, you know, parents and, and fathers in particular. And as they polled the students, they came to realize that of 20 kids in the room, only four actually had a father in the home. Our culture has changed. And I think this is why Father's Day for some of us is actually a very hard time. I want you to hang with me because I actually think that, that you're going to take away the fact of what it really means to have God as your father in heaven. And also the call that God wants to have you rise to to be for those of you that have that option, that opportunity or that future to be the father uh, that God would call you to be. You know, I remember one time talking to, to a young man and uh, I said, hey, what's your father's name? He said, Houdini. And I'm like, Houdini? He goes, yeah, because he just disappeared. I cannot even begin to understand or identify with what it's like to not have a father present. Uh, my father is my hero. My father, in fact, dad, if you're watching right now, you're the greatest example of steadfastness and love. You're my greatest cheerleader. The confidence that I have in my life is because you poured it into, into my heart. And I remember for years and years working with young people, when I would see that moment and I'd see that void, I'd, I'd have a moment where I could speak that same kind of strength and that courage that my father spoke into my life. And I had this classic move where I would just look at that person, lock eyes with them, put my hand behind their head, that, that young man, and just look at him and say, if you were my son, this is what I'd say to you. And to have the privilege and honor to be what the Bible says, a father to the fatherless. See, right now, the statistics says that 71% of all high school dropouts have no father in the home. 71% of all teen pregnancies are because there's no father in the home. 85% of child behavior disorders is a, come from a fatherless home. 90% of all homeless and runaway adolescents are because of a fatherless home. 63% of all adolescent suicides are all marked because of a fatherless home. You know what that tells me? 
that tells me that when God calls himself our father and he gives us that position, this is such an influential, powerful, godly and important position that when it's missing, there's an incredible void and deficit and damage. I think that's why every Father's Day, it's a difficult season for some of us. There was uh, an article that was run in a paper years ago that I don't know if this is an actual event, but I, I, it's based off of a story that was run in a paper. And there was a father that had a falling out with his son. And so the son took off from his father and wandered all over Spain. And so in Madrid, he went to the, the father went to the newspaper. He wanted to make amends with his son. And he said, he said this, he, he put in the paper, he said, son, all is forgiven. Come home, meet me in Madrid, Spain at the Hotel Montana at noon on Tuesday. When the father showed up, hoping his son would be there, he didn't find his son, but what he did find were 800 men by the name of Paco, his son. You know what that tells me? That while there's a great hurt in our heart when there's an absence of a father, there's a deep hunger to be reconciled with it. Our father in heaven. You know what I've come to find? Some of the greatest fathers don't necessarily have a father in the home, but there's somebody that says that I'm not going to be that man that continues this. I'm going to be for my son and my daughter what God designed me to be. You don't have to be that person. You don't have to be that man. And in fact, the Bible says in Exodus 20, 12, honor your father and mother that your days may be long and that you may live in the land that God is giving you. I, I, you know, it's almost strange that when I sit here and I, I want to brag on my father for a minute, I realize that for so many, this is actually a hurt moment. But, but I want to just speak to my father right now and say this, you are, you are the greatest man of honor I've ever seen in my life. I grew up and the one thing my father would always speak into my life and, and heart is that your word is your bond. In fact, he said this to me, and I say this to my sons. I say to them, your word is the only thing that you have to offer me. So don't cheapen it by not keeping it. And I grew up with a father who did what he said and said what he did. I didn't grow up from home with a lot of affluence. There were some very difficult times and seasons in, in my family. But I remember one time where my father worked three jobs, was going on about four hours of sleep a night, and he did that for 10 years, 10 years. Dad, I don't know anyone who could give an example like that. I love you, I respect you, and I am who I am because of you. Well, what does it mean to honor your mother and father, right? For instance, if you're sitting there right now and you bear a, a, an empty spot in your life because whether a, a parent left or there was a fallout or maybe, uh, maybe they had just buckled to alcohol one too many times, or, you know, the, the, the saying is, is that hurt people hurt people. And if you're a hurt father, you, you'll, you'll pass that hurt on to others. It, what does it mean? Because you, you could look at someone and say, how could you tell, how could God tell me to honor my father? It's, it's really easy because when we hear the word honor, we think the word obey. Now in the Bible, it talks about children, young children. And it says in Colossians chapter three, verse 20, children, Obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. But listen to what it says right after that. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. You know what? 
as a father, the power of my way to change the world is to be present. But when I'm present, a father that acts like our father in heaven is also somebody that doesn't continually discourage your children and provoke them and scold them, but is somebody that says, you can do it. You can make it. I was just saying to my wife recently that when the time comes for my father to stand before God, and as he waits for me to catch up to him in eternity, there's going to be an empty spot in my life because he's one, along with my mother, he's one of the people that has been my number one cheerleader. I never had an unloved moment. And you might say, well, that's great for you, Pastor Paul. Wonderful for you. But what about the other 80 plus percent of us? How could I obey somebody that is vicious, abusive, absent? You see, if you don't deal with the trauma in your life, you pass that on. One of the things I always say to young people when they're considering getting married is, as I say, do not say I do until you work out those issues. If there's a young lady who has uh, anger or rage against a father, I'll say to that couple, you got to work that out. If there's, if there's a young man who struggles with respecting his mother, I'll, I'll say, you got to work that out. These things are important because, because they work both vertically and horizontally. And that's why God shows up on the scene and he says, I'm not like that man. I'm not that man. Can I just say to you, those of you watching right now, maybe you don't, you, you, you don't have a father or even worse, the example that you have is the source of some of the deepest pain in your life. God is not that man. He's not that man. He's your father in heaven. You see, when he wrote, honor your mother and father, that word honor is the Hebrew word kaved. It does not mean obey. Some language, some translations translate it obey, but it does not mean obey. It means to give weight to, to allow weight into your life. I mean, I, not to unpack the detail of it, but, but I remember talking to a room full of young people where it was about two or three of them that could say, my father is a good part of my life. And, and many of them that, that said, I don't even know my father's name. Others that are like, I wish I didn't know my father. I said, you know, the way that the Bible is saying to give honor to them is to give them weight, to allow them to step in, to have voice, to have time, to have talk. And sometimes the greatest way to heal that is to pick up the phone. Now, now I'm not saying that if somebody was the source of trauma and hurt uh, to just simply open that a gateway for that person up. That's, and that's not what God would want for your life. But I think what, what he would like for you to do is to understand that he's not that man. And, and the way to give honor to a father or mother, maybe you're kind of like, I want to start a, a relationship with this person. I want to break it. it. Can I just tell you, it's as, as awkward for that man as it is for you. And it needs to be safe. But some of us, we need to just pick up the phone and call them. Uh, I have this habit where I won't let the week go without picking up the phone and calling home, talking to my mother talking to my father. I'll, I'll give examples of what's going on in my life. I'll share struggles that I'm having. And you know what? Usually sometimes I'll get advice and counsel and other times I will, uh, they'll just say, you know what? You'll figure it out. My father, every time I try to put honor on him, he deflects it up and says, you know what? It's only because of God. It's only because of God. Here's what I've come to find through the years. Maybe you're younger than me, maybe you're older than me, but if I could look at you and say this, 
from what I've come to know about God, if you were my little girl or you were my little boy, I'd look at you and say, your heavenly father is not that man. And he wants you to know that. And he wants you to understand. And here's what I've come to find. Sometimes the people that have had the worst earthly fathers have tapped into who their heavenly father is and they've changed the legacy in their home. Alcohol doesn't have to lead my home anymore. Drugs don't need to be in charge of my family anymore. Disappearing from commitment, I'm not doing it. My father asked me, he says, Paul, what did I do? Like, like what, stand, you know, what stands out? You know, I just feel like an ordinary man. I looked at my dad and I said this. I said, Dad, you never left. Your father may have left you, but I want you to know something. You're not that man. You don't need to be that man. And if you're the father that's in the middle of that, you might be struggling even as I'm talking and saying, I don't know if I can do this anymore. I don't know if I can take it. You know what? The strain and the pain is worth it because that's how we raise whole people. We continue to be part of their life. And we deal with our demons so that we don't pass them on to our children. And the way that, the way that you understand this is, is that a father exists, a parent, a father exists to launch children and to lead children. And that continues lifelong. And you're able to sit back and look at them, make a difference in this world. And then you begin to, to receive back that honor from them. Oh, well, you know, you're not going to tell them what to do and your children will make decisions and, and disagree with you. But that's not, that's why it doesn't end at 18. It continues for the rest of your life of giving your parents weight in your life. I remember a story as I close here of a father and he had a beloved son and he lost him to a war. They were, they were wealthy. They had a, an incredible art collection in their home. And uh, as they were close, as uh, he passed away, he left a will. And in the will, he was going to auction off everything in the house. So all of the, the, the art connoisseurs of the world gathered there because of the incredible collection that him and his son had gathered together. But it, there was no one to pass it on to. So it was up for, for grabs. And the deal was there was a simple portrait that had to be auctioned off first. Nothing impressive about it. People asked who the artist was. They said, unknown. They looked at the, the picture. They said, unimpressive. So the bidding began. I don't know if it was like $100 or $200, but it was meager. One man finally raised his hand. He actually was one of the people that worked on the property there, knew the father and the son. He realized who the portrait was, and he said, I'll take that. As soon as he did, the auctioneer said, auction's closed, everyone go home. They were all confused. They're like, wait a second, there's Monet, there's, there's, there's Rembrandt, there's this, there's that. What in the world? What do you mean the auction's over? It's not over. We didn't even start. They said, nope. Inside the will, the father said, whoever buys the son gets everything. And if I could just put it to you this way, that your heavenly father loved you so much that instead of leaving his son, he sent him so that he would take all of our hurt, all of our shame and bear that on the cross. I want to lead you in a brief prayer. 
that because the truth is, is, is he who gets the son gets everything. We're not talking about perfection, but we're talking about direction. It's time that we turned our attention off of our earthly fathers and up to our heavenly father and give him that right. If you pray this prayer with me, dear Jesus, thank you for never leaving me. I ask for your son to be Lord of my life. Thank you for Jesus dying on the cross. Thank you so much for being a father who never disappeared, who never raised his hand in rage, who never drank himself into oblivion. I'm not a perfect person, but you're a perfect father. Help me to see what a real father ought to be. Change my heart and life and help me to be somebody that looks like the Father in heaven that you are. In Jesus' name, amen. It's a simple prayer, but I believe if you prayed that, you're on your path to some great things in your life. Your heavenly Father loves you. We said we'd close off service in communion. I also said I'd preach 10 minutes. That didn't go as quick as I thought, but let me, let me just say this. Uh, there is, this is a symbol of what God did for us. Your heavenly father loved you so much that he allowed his son's body to be broken and his blood to be spilled and paid the ultimate price so that we could be reconciled to him. And so if you're out there and you were part of the community, or maybe you can just engage this in your heart of prayer, to take the bread. Jesus held up the bread and he said this, this is my body that's broken. It's broken for you. Jesus said this, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Listen, your heavenly father didn't abandon you. He's coming back. Heaven is real. Jesus is real. Your heavenly father is real. But until then, let's give honor to a father that allowed somebody to be broken so that we could be made whole. Amen. Take it, bread. Next, I'm going to open up the cup. Jesus said, this is the blood of the new covenant. Back in ancient times, there weren't lawyer contracts. People would sit down over a meal and their word meant something. You are a child of a father in heaven who doesn't need to sign a contract. He, shed, he, he, he signed it in his blood. And people in those days would give their word and would partake of a cup of a covenant. This is the covenant of the promise that you don't have to be a good enough person. You don't have to be a perfect person. It's the sacrifice that Jesus made for you and I that makes up the difference. And so I'd like you to take the cup and be mindful here that you'll never be good enough. And God's not looking you, for you to be a son and daughter of shame with your head in the ground. He's looking for you to lift your head with pride and joy to know that you have a heavenly father who loves you faults and all. And he made it possible through the blood of his son. Let's partake of the cup together. Lord, I just offer up a prayer for every broken life, for every broken home for everyone that feels like hope is bleeding out on them. 
I want to say thank you for the work of your son. And Lord, we continue to proclaim your death to remind us of our life that we can have in you. Thank you for being our father. Thank you for being a father that showed up and gave it all. You have our heart and you have our life. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you for joining us this week. And we will see you next week as we continue in the book of Psalms. Thank you for joining us for service today. Hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to follow us on all social media and check out our website, lowellag.org, for all updates. See you soon.